Hello and welcome. Welcome to the Peace Alliance Hope Story Circle and welcome to Peace On, your source for inspiring conversations and information from the thought leaders across the spectrum on topics related to the strategies of building peace, fostering nonviolence, and creating a world that thrives, shifting our understanding toward empathy, compassion, and connection. It's so wonderful to see all of your faces this morning. My name is Terry Mason. I'm on the board of the Peace Alliance, and I'm joined to co-facilitate today by Liz Gannon Graydon, who is also on our board, and Yelena Popovich, who is our Teaching Peace in Schools lead and mindfulness expert. We're also joined today by our special guest, Christine Elliott. We're so excited to have Christine. Christine has a long history with the Peace Alliance. She got there even before I did. So, <laughs> Christine, if you can just come off mute and say hello. Hi, everyone. Delighted to be here. Great, so nice to see you. I'm very excited to hear your story today. Yelena, did you wanna lead everyone in a little breathing? Yeah, Terry, um, we will do some, um, after Christine talk, we will do some uh, grounding practice, but I just for kind of letting us all arrive at the same um, place here, the same Zoom call, and for all of you um, that are joining as a podcast, just taking some centering breaths, comforting breaths together, um, and maybe taking five breaths like that, and I can guide you into something I guide my students in. It's just taking five with um, tracing fingers, if that is something you want to try on um, for today. If not, just take uh, five breaths on your own. But basically, you will just inhale and trace your finger up and then exhale trace it down so inhaling up and exhaling just inhaling and exhaling feeling our breath and our body Just coming in, settling, welcoming Christine. Thank you all. Thank you, Yelena. So Terry, you just want me to start right in? Yes, tell your story. All right, great. Happy to be here on this um, Hope Story Circle. What a great concept. I wanted to just share my experience of waking up to my whiteness. I uh, was born in just outside Toronto, um, grew up there. Uh, our family value uh, with respect to people with other colored skin was to be colorblind. They're just like us and um, they want the same things as us. Um, and so you could treat them just the same as you would anyone else or like you would be treated, the golden rule. And then, so colorblindness was really uh, how I was raised. Um, when I went away to university, there were 
a lot of cosmopolitan people attending the university, but it was kind of cliquish. They stayed to their own groups. And so I really just didn't have much contact with people uh, of other, other color. And in law school um, there, I was in minority because I was a woman in the early seventies. And uh, so I got a little bit, bit of a feel for what that must feel like. But just generally, I had very little contact with, with black people in the early part of my life. In uh, 1991, I moved to the United States, um, but was still pretty naive and uninformed about social issues and certainly American politics. Um, even though I was a lawyer, I, I just I had focused on my career all those years and uh, just didn't know that very much about what was going on in the world. Then in um, 2003, uh, I met my husband in 1998, and in 2003, he opened my eyes to what's going on around the world, um, social issues. He was a, an activist at Michigan State University in his, his university years, and um, really, really opened my eyes and educated me. I'm tremendously grateful to him about what's, what the world is all about, what's going on in the world. And in 2003, we went to a conference where Marianne Williamson was speaking about this concept of uh, Department of Peace. In those days, it was still called Department of Peace. And we thought, this is, this is such a fantastic idea. And then um, a year later, we, we started the Department of Peace group, Americans for a Department of Peace in San Diego, based at our church, the Unity Center. Um, so that was our, my first sort of real on the ground, boots on the ground kind of experience with lobbying and teaching other volunteers how to lobby. You, you teach what you most need to learn, they say, and um, learned a tremendous amount. And then in 2010, when I became a citizen, all of my training in civics from the Department of Peace years was so helpful for me to answer all those questions they ask you in the citizenship interview. But back in uh, 2008, um, John and I had gotten so enamored of um, being involved in uh, grassroots orga organizing and so on. We uh, campaigned for Barack Obama in five different states. And one of the states that we campaigned in going door to door was in Florida and we were assigned uh, a canvassing area that was pretty depressed and primarily black um, black residents and boy going to door to door in a neighborhood like that and as a white person was pretty eye-opening that was uh, an experience that I would say really shifted my consciousness I do remember one uh, anecdote just still warms my heart when I think about it approaching this this house up through the through the carport off the driveway and uh, a woman black woman in about her mid-30s opened the door and she was very warm and welcoming she of course saw our, our Obama t-shirts and buttons and uh, when we told her why we were there you know making sure that she knew where to vote and you know that she had a plan for voting she, she came down off, the, um, off her step and gave me a big hug and said, you know, if he wins, this means we don't have to be separated anymore. And that was just such a sweet um, 
experience. And I was still naive enough <laughs> to believe that maybe that was true, um, but didn't, uh, anyway, it was, just a, it was just a wonderful experience. So um, coming up down now through the early, the 20 teens, we started to see more and more of these videos of police violence in the media. Um, a person, I saw a person recently who said, racism hasn't changed, it's just being filmed now. And I think there's some truth in that. And um, as a result of all of the, the police violence being filmed and the, especially the Charlottesville riot, um, the, the minister at our church, Reverend Wendy Craig Purcell, um, decided that she would get our black congregants together, about 15 or 20 black people together at, in her home for six months to just learn about what it means and what it's like to be a black person in America. And they, they met together for many, many hours with her primarily just listening and being blown away by what it's like. It, it's, um, it's a very, very different thing than I ever dreamed. And so she started to um, think, well, okay, we, we could do this forever, but we can't, we need not to, we need to do something about it. And she asked them, so is it time now for us to bring uh, the white people together with us to see what should we do? And their answer was absolutely not. The white people need to meet on their own and learn about what we've just told you about, but it's not our job to educate the white people. It, it's, it's amongst themselves and they need to really get in touch with the reality of racism in America in, in that, that was 2018. And so that's what, what Reverend Wendy did. She brought together the white congregants and I was one of them. And we studied together for four months, uh, twice, twice a month for four months and just, learned so much about um, how our history books don't really tell the whole story. I'm sure all of you are familiar with that. And how systemic racism is embedded in all of the institutions in America. And I have to say, I was blindsided by my own ignorance um, about the black experience and about the privilege that I have as a white person to navigate through the world you know, with, with an Anglo name like Christine Elliott, you know, for college applications, as opposed to something like Tanisha Washington, who might be, they might think twice about an applicant with a different sounding name like that. So that's just a tiny example of all of the, the advantages that I realize I have had as a, as a white person growing up. And I guess I felt angry and betrayed uh, about how I'd been fooled by my socialization and my education. Um, and just so much has been left out. So much has been left out and whitewashed. And I was, I was embarrassed and humiliated that I, I just really knew so little. I didn't even know what I didn't know. Um, and I, the good thing is that I came out with a new compassion and respect for people of color. And, you know, um, emotion can be a great motivator. And so uh, a, 
one of our white congregants at the Unity Center came forward with um, seed funding to start a new nonprofit that um, is called the Anti-Racism Institute. And I was invited to be on the board, which I, I do now. And that's my, my main thing that I do in life as a retired person. I have that opportunity. And we, we provide programs um, primarily for white people to learn and mirror my experience um, and the experience of all the other people who were in the white ally group. And it, it moves people from an awareness of what the racism problem really looks like and really is. It naturally takes them into the same kinds of emotions that I experienced. And then in the second part of the program, we have each participant identify a racial equity project that they will do out in the community that they that they get going in the community. So it's um, awareness, literacy and action. And it seems to be um, appealing to a lot of white people who are in exactly the same position I have, was in and who are wondering, yes, it's terrible, but what can I do? And so it does answer that question for them. So I'm excited about that it, and it's, it's hope in the, in the sense that this journey has taken me down a road of, of, oh my gosh, I didn't know what I didn't know to, oh, now that I know this is way worse than I ever dreamed to I'm now doing something. And so that's, that's it. And I, I um, had a great experience last uh, June, June 19th, which most of you know is Juneteenth here in America. And I went to get my lunch in a Subway store and there was only other, one other customer there who was a, a black guy. And we both of course had our, our COVID masks on. And he, um, I said to him, oh, happy Juneteenth. And he was so surprised. He actually took a step back. And although I couldn't see the expression on his face because of his mask, I could see that his eyes were smiling. And he said, thank you, that's unbelievable. I'm actually gonna put that on Facebook. And he pulled out his phone and he, he put the anecdote on his Facebook page. So that's, that was pretty sweet. So that's what I wanted to share with you this morning and um, been my journey and uh, not an easy one, not a comfortable place to be, but I think um, many of us in America need to get comfortable with being uncomfortable before we're going to make progress. Thank you. Thank you, Christine. Thank you for your story. I think that Yellen is going to lead us in a meditation before we go into the breakout rooms so that we can get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Yelena? Thank you, Terry. And thank you, Christine. Um, one thing that when we were talking about, and I see on the Terry posted on the website of on the Institute. And I know um, yesterday you mentioned a couple of resources, books and uh, guides, and um, I think it will be helpful to um, include that as well. Um, I actually want to name a particular resource that um, has been really helpful for myself is Rest Mimetic and Work of, um, and, and Book and My Grandmother's Hands. Um, and actually, I would love for us to um, engage in some uh, body practices because what um, 
Raspomanikin is sharing is that a lot of what, what you just talked about and um, is actually in our bodies. Um, that that we embody certain systems that we have been a part of um, for for so long in um, in this country. So that in order for us to actually name certain things, we first need to feel it in our body. And for bi white bodies, for um, bodies of color, and for, for police bodies. So I want to actually invite us into a practice to just get in touch with your own body um, and perhaps find a way to, um, to resource and settle and be with um, when discomfort arises. So um, just take a moment to feel your body first. Feel your body, whatever that is. Is body, is your body, is your soles of your feet touching the ground? Can you feel your body sitting? Or if you're standing, can you feel your body standing? Just get in touch with your body at this moment. And if breath is accessible to you in this moment, you might feel your breath as well. And if not, just stay with these touch points of feet on the earth. Seat back. So much is in our bodies instead of our minds, words. And just sense, if you notice sensations in your body. Any tightness or openness. Pulsing. Perhaps your heartbeat. And notice if any thoughts images or emotions arise. Just notice without responding in any particular way. Just notice what is present in your body at this moment. Sometimes there is an experience we feel in our bodies and it helps if we can name that. What is the experience 
have in your body. And if there is any part of your body that feels tightness, soreness, or any discomfort, any strangeness, simply put your hand there. Just offer support. Offer care. Great care. Perhaps again, feel your feet on the floor, seat, breath, and you to gently open your eyes if they were closed and and back to the group. So to guide us in uh, Kiri. Thank you all for listening. Thank you, Yelena. Liz, did you want to frame an inquiry for us? I did, and I, you know, this morning before we got on, I've been I've been listening to um, a 10 day uh, summit on healing collective trauma and the conversation I was invited to listen to this morning was between a man named Thomas Hubel and a woman named Krista Tippett. And I, first, I'm sorry, I really do want to thank you for your story, Christine. Um, and as I was thinking about the framing of the story, part of the conversation I was listening to this morning informed it. So I just wanna share something she said, because here, we come here you know, regularly to engage in these deep conversations. And the question that Thomas Hubel asked of her was, conversation can be a meaningful environment for transformation, but what do you feel are the qualities that invite such a conversation? And she said, so much is in our bodies, as Yelena said, right? So we hold so much in our bodies instead of our mind and our words. But sometimes a word can transform our experience if we put into words something we have never named before. By giving a name to something, they come into our being and we can experience something we have felt internally in our bodies that when we don't name, we can't be present for. And she said, I want to give voice to what needs to be given voice 
but by taking great care of the people we are interacting or in conversation with. And she left with the, well, this part of the conversation ended with, it's about speaking together differently so that we can live together differently. And I really like that part. So as we are going into breakout rooms, what I invite you to think about, was there something that you've been carrying or you did carry that you felt as something in your body that you didn't access till you heard someone name it? You know, it can be a direct response to Christine's experience and story or something that came up for you as something you could only access once you heard it named. And so that's really the inquiry. Is there something that you always kind of sensed or felt that you couldn't be present to till you heard it named? And the other thing I wanna share in a minute as she sends you into the rooms as Terry always does, um, she'll um, share with you the, the, the agreements that we agree to and enter the conversation with. But I also want to um, just say, as we're going into the rooms, uh, feeling on conversation or the thoughts of entering this conversation in a small group sends you beyond discomfort to a sense of overwhelm. We invite you to remain with us in the large group instead of going into the smaller groups. Okay, so Terry, would you like to share our, our, like our common agreements? Sure, sure. So the agreements that we have when we go into the breakout rooms, for those of you who haven't been with us before, we're gonna go into breakout rooms for about 15 minutes or so. But the, the point in the breakout rooms is to listen with your heart, to speak with your heart, to say just enough, to make room for everyone to share. And if you don't feel moved to share, to give the gift of listening. And also to keep confidentiality. When we're gonna come back into the big room to share, you can share your own experience, um, but don't tell other people's stories. And we'll stop the recording for the breakouts. And the recording is in our podcast channel. I see Laura asking a question. When we come back, we'll just share whatever the response is to the inquiry, to Christine's story, and, and react in that space. So I'm going to pause the recording, and then we'll start again when we come back. All right, well, welcome back, everyone. It's good to see your faces, those of you who are showing your faces. <laughs> so this, is, this is a time when we can share whatever came up that you'd like to share out of the inquiry, out of the conversation, out of Christine's story. Does anyone like to react to it or share their own experience? You may unmute yourself and speak. Hi. Um, Hi, I'll Connie. It's nice to see you. Nice to see you. It's been a long time. I, was, I know. <laughs> I was part of the original group. Hi, Christine. Um, I was part of the original group when we were the Department of Peace. And I was just sharing uh, that I saw that there was such a difference made after I was not as active in the group. But we, we took one of our 
uh, congressional representatives advice and changed our name from the Department of Peace to the Department of Peacekeeping. And that made all the difference as we, mm. a word makes the difference. He was just saying it was kind of like, it's kind of like heaven, like, okay, so what do you do there? You know, uh, it, you know, Department of Peace, okay, what is that? That's the absence of, of war or something. But peace building is that th then we are individually responsible for making the change we want to see. And that's where we could do programs that will um, achieve that goal. Mm. So I was, uh, particularly as we were talking about a word uh, becoming who we are and, and um, that just that change to the word to me made a lot of differences. Mm. We are responsible oh. for a building piece. That's wow. wonderful. Thank you, Connie. Yeah. Would someone I else would, like to share? Yes, I would. I don't. Hi. Um, in speaking with Julia, we were just two. Um, I was, I was, um, Surprised a little and, and pleased. She's a Texan, and as a as a Northeasterner, I I was, I was delighted that she's in this group. It was a little reactive, you know, I admit. And uh, she also shared with me that she has a black grandson, and that he doesn't feel the angst that we have around racism. And she worries that he may be in denial. For myself, I live in two countries. I'm a citizen of Costa Rica as well as the U.S. And I've been in Costa Rica far longer than I've lived anywhere, actually, almost 50 years now. Mm. And it's a very mixed culture. We're, we're all different colors. I'm the one who stands out. I'm like in the minority. Uh, however, I'm very keenly aware of how horrible things have gotten here and aware of every killing that has gone on and I was telling Julia that I've, I'm trying to read cast by Isabel Wilkinson mm -hmm. and finding it so so horrendous that I don't know if I can finish I knew I, who doesn't know about slavery but the torture that was imposed on these people. It's more than I can even fathom. And I was also horrified to learn as someone raised as a Jew in a Jewish family, that the Nazis based their politics toward Jews on our very own politics towards blacks. I mean, it's so shocking and so revolting. What I want to share with the group, because I'd love to have some feedback from education, if anyone has ideas for me. I live in a lovely little liberal bubble called Asheville, North Carolina. Everybody's healthy, everybody's open, everybody's broad-minded, everybody is great. But we hardly have any black people. <laughs> However, politically, we've done all the right things. The city council has voted across the board 100% for reparations. They've taken down a monument to the first governor, who was a slaveholder, of course. And my frustration 
as an individual white woman is how do I, how can I bring black people into my life? I just don't, I would love to, but I don't know how. And then my second thought is, would they even want me in their lives? How do you what? I didn't hear the. What I, I would, how do I get, how do I become a friend to, to a, another black woman of my, my age or whatever? of my, somebody that, that I would have an interest. I have one black friend from Jamaica and she lives very far away. She's visited me a few times. Um, we don't see each other hardly at all. I did ma manage to see her in New York briefly, recently, but we met at I, a yoga center. I'm from Bermuda. I'll be your second friend. Thank oh, you. Where's your face? Can we see you? Are you on the phone? I, oh, no, 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 no. I just didn't have chance to put on my face this morning. I will the next time. There will be oh. a next time. Okay. <laughs> Thank Good. you, Phyllis. I'd just like to interject, that's very true of so many of us white people, we are in a bubble and we just don't interact that much. So one of the things that I wanna do is I have a, a few black friends and I want to attend their church and I am so looking forward to it. I, would, I wouldn't just show up at, their, at a black church, but I just wanna go and be exposed to that part of the black culture and I love the music and so. That's one of the things that I'm going to do. Yes, of course, that thought definitely crossed my mind, but I feel like I would just be dropping into a place where almost you, like a voyeur, almost yeah, like a voyeur. Yes, you, you need to have someone take you as a guest. How do I get that someone is my uh, first question. Uh, 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 also... I have something to say to my dear sister Joan. That, uh, Thank you. If you were to go to an hospital and you needed blood, and the blood which was there, and you never know whether it was from a black person or what, what will you say? I would say, give me the blood. Oh, <laughs> yes, that's why that you money this one. And I want to thank God that uh, COVID came, COVID 19 came in our lifetime. <gasps> Everybody has submitted himself and we have become very careful to each other. So you manage this one. That's why if you remove, I remove my blood, put it in a test tube and you remove yours. And someone else, you may not say where this one has come from a black man. These are stereotypes which have been brought by people who want to divide us. When, when, when we are here, you can see, you can see that uh, there are very few black people here. But uh, you, I speak the language of peace. I speak peace. You speak peace. Then if my brother who is a black does not speak peace and you are speaking peace, you become my sister. We must have common interest. Those who have common interest, as he has recommended to you, if you go to a church, you can be able to find people who can, if you, can, you, can, you can fellowship. So let us, uh, peacemakers, as I was sharing in my, my breakaway group, I said that Jesus said in Matthew, 
5.9. Blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called children of God. If you don't promote peace, you are not a child of God. The word of God says so. Psalms 103, 133 verse 1, it says, How precious is this for brothers and sisters to live in harmony? And Jesus said, I've gone, all that I give you is peace. So when we speak the language of peace, you don't see whether someone is a white or a black or what. We become one and the humanity is one. Thank you so much. We are in the right place and doing the right business. Thank you. Thank you, Jared. Appreciate you. We have time for one more quick one. Jen, I see you raising your hand. Yeah, I'd like to share that. Um, you know, I, when I, I used to say there are two kinds of colorblind, and that one is the seeing com, our common humanity. But Rhonda McGee has a beautiful term. She coined the term color insight. So her whole book is about the practice of color insight. Amen. Nice. And Bonnie, I see you raising your hand. Bonnie. Thank you. I'll make it quick. Thank I put the link in the uh, chat. Uh, the United States Institute of Peace has announced this year's finalist for the P a Women's Peace Award. And uh, you can definitely in, uh, encourage a specific one to win the award. So if you want to take a look at that site, please do. Thank you. Oh, thank you, Bonnie. I'm going to start to bring this to a close. I'm putting several links in the chat. We put the Anti-Racism Institute earlier, but this is about the Peace Alliance, um, who sponsors these podcasts and the Hope Story Circles. The Peace Alliance empowers civic action for a culture of peace. Also, the link to our podcasts um, and something about our Hope Story Circles. The website is peacealliance.org for those on the podcast that are looking at the chat. We also have a link to the Blueprint for Peace. This is a single action that you can take to notify your federal and state officials that you support policy related to, the, to nonviolence and peace building, as Connie said. Also a link about the Department of Peacebuilding Legislation, HR 1111. We are in the middle of our lobby days, our advocacy days action. So if you go to that link, you can participate in that and very directly talk to your members of Congress. Um, we are a small nonprofit. There's a link for donations. We appreciate donations of any size, especially appreciate monthly donations for sustainable income. And also our calendar of events where you can go to see when our next Top Story Circle is and all the other activities that we have going on. We have um, lots of things happening on Tuesdays from now on, not only the national monthly call, but also empathy circles and other things that we're asking your input on. So please feel free to visit the website, check us out and join us again at another Hope Story Circle. But for now, Liz, I'm gonna ask you to close our meeting today and with our gratitude to Christine. I, I will, first of all, I wanna say Phyllis, it's so lovely to see your face and thank you, thank you um, for that gift. And Christine, uh, your story again with gratitude and the careful way we held this with my two partners, always Yelena and Terry. And I want to close with an idea that I, I took from the same conversation I referenced earlier. And it was something Krista Tippett said about 
again, what are the conditions that lead to transformative conversations? And one of them she said is humility. She saw humility as such a powerful spiritual quality. And she said, it, it's not about bringing yourself down, right? She said, some people take it that way, but it's about me greeting you with a desire and an expectation that you will surprise me. It's about wanting others to be big and creating space and preparing myself so that this is more likely. So as we go off into the week and thank you for the enriching conversation that we had as a group and also that you may have had in your small rooms. I'd love us to kind of think about that as we walk through and encounter people, right? A couple of people shared moments, including Christine with surprising moments, right? And so to, to kind of consciously cultivate that humility about when I meet with someone to just have this expectation, they may surprise me, but by preparing yourself that you're open to being surprised. So I wanna thank you guys all so much um especially christine and as we move forward uh remember everyone's words and holding uh this space and one another in a very dear way so we'll see you again in two weeks and just thank you everyone feel free to unmute yourself to say goodbye thank you all this was wonderful thank you thank peace and thank everyone thank you so thank much you. thank you for the chat Thank you for joining us today at Peace On. We hope that it inspires you to engage in dialogue in your larger community. Peace On is brought to you by the Peace Alliance, found at peacealliance.org.